Good morning, One Church. Y'all doing good? Fantastic. Um, I am so excited about today's message, and kind of let me tell you the reason why, um, is today's message was never supposed to happen. Uh, we, uh, you know, we plan our sermon calendar out a year and a half, sometimes two years in advance, and uh, I ended up going away a couple, about a month ago, month and a half ago, and was just praying and continue to read through the book of Acts. And I just felt like I needed to stop and change what was going to be said today because I think a lot of us here in this room need to hear it. Uh, because a lot, of this room, a lot of the people in this room, I think you guys, you've experienced some hurt, you've experienced some, some pain, um, and uh, you've had a shipwreck. But last week, Pastor Carlo talked about that shipwreck and what happened. And today, that's what I want to talk about and what happens after the shipwreck. What happens after the shipwreck? The song uh, that Kim and the band did right before Dave came out uh, is a hymn. And if you've grown up in church, you probably heard it. It is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. And you may not know the story behind that song because the guy who wrote it, is, he has a very weird name, but it's a very poignant story. His name is Horatio Spafford. And Horatio Spafford... Uh, lived in Chicago back in the late 1800s. And uh, when the Chicago fire hit, he lost everything. He lost everything. He has a wife and four daughters, and after the fire, they have nothing. So they decide to go to Europe to be able to have a fresh start at it. So uh, the entire family was supposed to travel uh, by boat uh, to Europe uh, and at the last minute, uh, uh, Horatio Spafford could not go, so he sent his wife and his four daughters on uh, to go to Europe before he uh, went, and um, he had to tie some loose ends because of the fire. And uh, uh, what happens is that sea liner that the, his wife and four daughters are on collides with another ship, and Literally hundreds of people lost their lives. All four of his daughters drowned. And only his wife was spared out of his family. Once they get over to London, uh, the Horatio's wife cabled back and said, I alone am saved. Everything is lost. And Spafford got on the sea liner and traveled towards his wife and as they were traveling, the captain of his ship said, this is where your four daughters died. And they pause for a minute, and he's on deck, and he takes out his pen, and he takes out his paper, and he writes, when peace like a river attendeth my way, and when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, I'm going to say, What? It is well with my soul. Some of you, you just sang that song, but honestly, it is not well with you right now. And I want to talk to those folks today. Now, if everything is well with you, you probably still don't want to tune out because give it a month and things won't go well, right? That's just how it is. 
right? If you're recovering from a shipwreck, I'm dedicating this sermon to you, those people who need to heal after the shipwreck. But if you're good, give it a month, right? Because that's just how life happens. That's just how it goes. So I want to talk today about really having a time to heal. And as you know behind me, my number's on the screen if you want to text in questions. But even more importantly, if you want to text in some prayer needs, because I think we are surrounded by people in here who are hurting, who are struggling, and we want to let you know that it is okay to hurt, and it is okay to struggle, and it is okay to be messy. And we're going to give you time to heal. Time to heal. They say that time heals all wounds. And the wisest person who ever lived, his name was Solomon, he wrote this in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Uh, this was made popular by, I believe it was the birds, for every season, turn, turn, turn. All right, go get it. All right, some of you are like, I'm just not that old, Chris. Okay, that's cool. Look at this. For everything, there is a season, a time for what? Every activity under heaven. Look at this. A time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to harvest, a time to kill and a time to do what? Heal. That's what I want to talk about that, that healing is a matter of time. Hippocrates wrote that. He's the one who actually created the Hippocratic Oath. And 400 years after Hippocrates actually penned those words, healing is a matter of time, there came on a scene another man who followed in his steps. Not a Jew, but a Gentile. In fact, he's the only Gentile to write anything out of the entire 66 books we call the Bible. He's not a pastor, but he's a medical doctor, and his name was Luke. And he wrote the book of Luke and the book of Acts. Luke learned his trade and how to be a doctor from the writings of Hippocrates. And I wonder if when he's writing the book of Acts, the reason, that explains the reason why Luke spends so much time on these 10 verses we're going to be looking at today. That you and I, as just busy Americans, we just want to just fly through. And honestly, that's the reason why I'm like, okay, well, I got to change this. Because I think all of us, we need to hear this message. These 10 verses give time for healing. The first 10 verses of Acts chapter 28, therefore are not passed by hurriedly by a physician, but time is spent. Because with those who've experienced extreme difficulties, there often must be extreme times of remedy provided. You know, we don't have any room for that in our belief system today, in our theology, even though it's very biblical. We want people to get with it. If you spent much time trying to recover from an ailment that can't be explained by an x-ray, or maybe you've been in the dregs of depression, or maybe you've been hurt, grieved greatly over the loss of a loved one, or you just can't seem to get out. You've heard the words before for someone who said, you know what, you just need to build a bridge and get over it. You need to snap out of it. But you need to understand that that's easier said than done, that healing takes time. So for the rest of our message, I want to kind of unearth that. And I want to let you know that if you're struggling 
If your life is messy, kind of like how Dave said with that theater, we're a church of messy people who look good on the outside, who are really jacked up on the inside. And by the way, if that's not you, you might want to consider going to another church because we're going to probably, some of our mess may rub off on you. I'm just saying, right? And just to give you a heads up, there's no church that's perfect. Why? Because every church contains people, right? Some of us dress up better than others, but all of us got junk. We do. And we want to let you know here at OneChurch.tv, that's okay. Messy people are welcome. It's okay not to be okay. That's one of our core values here. So if this is you and it's, you're not okay, I just want to let you hear me say today, it's okay. It's okay for you just to sit in the next, over the next 25 minutes and just, it's okay not to be okay. But I'm hoping to give you some hope. And even more importantly, God's word is going to give you hope so that you don't get stuck in the mess. You don't get stuck in the bitterness. So let's go ahead and dig into these first 10 verses. This is Acts chapter 28, verse 1. If you have the Bible app, I'd go ahead and encourage you to get on your phones right now. By the way, we're the only church I know that encourages you to get on your phone. Not to play Angry Birds or Candy Crush, but get on that phone and download the Bible app. And here's what I'm going to say. Acts chapter 28, starting at verse 1, it says this. Once we were what? Safe on shore. Now, the once refers to what happened back in chapter 27, what Carlo preached about last week. And what happened last week? One word, a shipwreck. A shipwreck. Dr. Luke writes that they were delivered from this shipwreck and they were brought safe to shore on an island in the middle to, middle of the Mediterranean. So who was the we? He says we were safe on shore. So it's, he's talking about himself. He's talking about Paul. But who is the we that he's talking about? Well, Acts 27, 37 says this. Altogether, there were 276 of us on board. So the 276 of us that were on the ship experienced a shipwreck. And we learned last week that none of them died. They all made it. But look at this. Once we were safe on shore, we learned that we were on the what? Island of Malta. That's the where. We've looked at the who. Now the where is the island of Malta. Where in the world is Malta? Has anyone been to Malta? I dare say none of us have. Let me tell you where Malta is at. Directly south of the boot-shaped piece of land we call Italy, there is an island named Sicily. And 50 miles south of Sicily is the small island of Malta. It has no land around it, and the closest thing to it is Sicily. And it is a place of solitude and loneliness. Let me just simply say this. Do you know that sometimes healing can be a lonely experience? No one can heal for somebody else. As deeply as you may feel grief for your child or for your spouse or for your friend, you cannot experience it for them or save them from it. When you are hurting and you've just suffered a shipwreck, it is your own island. It may be something that you're not responsible for. Life just 
happen. And on the other hand, your island may be something that you caused. Can I just, does anybody here, you've caused some problems in your life? Let me see hands in here. Am, am I the only one? All right, good. Because the rest of y'all, if I am the only one, <laughs> either y'all lying or whatever. I just, I, we've all caused problems, haven't we? We've all done some stupid things. And we've had repercussions from that. You know what? So your shipwreck might be an illness, something you're trying desperately to get stronger and overcome, but you have no strength and you're taking the medication, you're doing what the doctor says, and you just can't seem to get better. For others of you, your shipwreck might be a relationship, a friendship that's went south. You were so close for so long, you were besties. Now it's over. For others of you, it may be a romance that died. Maybe a marriage that's gotten shipwrecked on the rocks of adultery and affair. And now divorce has happened. Or maybe it's even something more sinister than that. Maybe you're reeling from the shipwreck of a dream. You've experienced a bankruptcy. A business has failed. A dream that you've sacrificed so much, and you've sacrificed so much time and energy and resources. Or for some of you, you're reeling from the shipwreck of a family that will never be. The crib is empty. You've lost a child. For some of you, the child never came. You're reeling from a shipwreck. You're smack dab in the middle of your Malta. An island of solitude, loneliness, and pain. That's all what we all experienced on our Maltas. Now, I want to warn you, as Paul does in these passages, that there will be a whole number of things that you and I will experience from other people while we are healing. Here's the first one. The first thing you and I will experience while we're healing is where there will be extraordinary kindness. People are just going to be crazy kind. Look at this. It says in Acts 28.2, the people on the island were very, what? Kind to us. It was cold and it was rainy, so they built a fire on the shore to, what? Welcome us. There is kindness shown. They received Paul. They welcomed Paul. There was this extraordinary kindness. They were very kind to us. This will happen earlier in your illness for about three days right? People, when you're sick, they'll get a meal train going, right? And they'll send you, text you some verses over the phone and may even quote some Bible verses. And let me just pause right here. When someone is hurting, you know the last thing they need to hear is a sermon. Now that sounds kind of weird coming from a pastor who professionally preaches sermons, right? But they don't need to hear a sermon, they don't need for you to just give them verses like Romans 8, 28, that God works all things for good for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, that verse is true, but when you've lost a child, that just rings hollow. Let me give you a better way of, of dealing with with people who are struggling. This is what Paul writes in Romans 12, 15. Laugh 
with your happy friends when they're what? Happy. But what what are we supposed to do with those who are down? Share tears. Not share Bible verses. Not share, you know, prayer requests thinly veiled as gossip. But we are to share tears. When someone has gone through the shipwreck of pain, just be present with them and share tears. Show up, love on them. You don't have to say anything. Why do we feel like we have to fill the silence with words, even though the words may be true? Just weep with those who weep and mourn with those who mourn. And that leads to an encouragement to those who are going through a shipwreck. Don't pull away from community. Don't do it. You know, you, it says weep with those who weep, mourn with those who mourn, share tears when they're down. You can't do that if you never do show up and aren't around. You have to continue in community. Many times we can isolate ourselves right into bitterness and more pain. Y'all just hear what I just said. That's so important because you may not want to be around people, and I get it, but you need to still let them in. Let them weep with you and share tears with you when you're down. The second thing you're going to experience when you're going through this healing is, number two, you're going to experience some unjust criticism. That's just the truth, Ruth. This is what it says, Acts 28, 3 and 4. As Paul gathered an armful of sticks and was laying them on the fire, a poisonous snake driven out by the heat bit him on the hand. The people of the island saw it hanging from his hand and said to each other, a murderer, what? No doubt. No, they operate on some these superstitions here, these sweeping statements. That's what the people on this island, oh, well, he must, it's, they're superstitious. And then he says this, though he escaped the sea, justice will not permit to let him live. Says who? Says who? Well, undoubtedly, it certainly would look like it anyway. I'm sure you have experienced some unjust criticism if you've been sick for over three days. You can't pull out. You can't get over it. You can't get the password to get out. And I assume everybody wants to get out of it. Everybody wants to get out of their mess. You're there, you're hurting, and along comes someone who believes this false principle that calamity is proof of guilt. If you've read through the Bible, the book of Job, his friends are like that. They're awful friends. Job is experiencing some difficult times, and the friends of Job says, well, you must have done something to deserve it. Obviously, you're getting punished. Can I just say to all of us who are here today, let's guard against unjust criticism. They're hurting enough without us heaping guilt on their heads. One of the things that Christians do a lot and churches do a lot is they shoot their wounded. Somebody who's gotten a divorce, oh, well, you're not welcome here. Says who? Because God welcomes everyone, my Bible teaches. But see, we have a tendency to shoot the people who are hurting. And that is absolutely sinful. It is wrong. And our church will never, ever do that. If you're not okay, we say that's okay. And we're going to love you through it. We're going to give you time to heal. But we don't shoot 
our wounded. By the way, if you're a leader, let me just stop and say this. One man wrote this. It's true if you're a leader, you'll spend your time either on the top or on the bottom. Anybody agree with that one? You seldom know what it's like to be in between. You're either the hero or the villain. By the way, I've been both. I have. You've, you've been respected or you've been virtually hated. People in leadership must live on the yo-yo of public opinion, under the gun of verbal jabs, as well as on the crest of great admiration. <laughs> That's just leadership. When things are good, they're great. When things are not, people absolutely want to shoot you or fire you. I've been there. A.T. Robertson, the Baptist scholar of yesteryear, said this, so fickle is popular opinion. It just is. So guess what? Don't live your life based on popular opinion. But that's difficult to do in this social media age, is it not? Man, when we're just waiting for our next Instagram like or our next Facebook share, or who's going to retweet it? And it's like our esteem is based on the social animal out here when our esteem should only be based on how our Heavenly Father sees us through the love of Jesus. Y'all going to get me preaching this morning. Acts chapter 28 says this, but Paul shook the snake off into the fire and was unharmed. By the way, this is, I've never been bit by a snake. Uh, I've stepped on a rattlesnake and didn't get bit once. But I'll tell you this one time, I ended up took, put my hand in, a, in like a corn bucket to get out some corn for my goats because I used to have goats because, just saying. <laughs> and a big old possum latched onto me. I still have a scar right there big possum bit me, and I pulled out my hand, and that possum is hanging on. For, he ain't playing possum either, right? And I'm, and I'm like, oh, my God. Have you ever seen a possum up close? They're almost as ugly as a cat. All right. Let's keep on going. Paul shook off the snake into the fire and was unharmed. The people waited for him to swell up or suddenly drop dead. <laughs> I love this. Like, you know, some of y'all thinking right now, how did Chris get so swole up? <laughs> I'm just trying to be like Joe, by the way. So, uh, But when they had waited long enough and they saw that he wasn't harmed, look at this, they did what? Remember, public opinion is fickle. They changed their minds and decided that he was a what? A god right? Here's the third response, inappropriate praise. It's remarkable, remarkable how public opinion will change. It is so fickle. Believe me, the only place you will find ultimate, ultimate security is in the love of Jesus. That is never changing, but everything else will change. It will. Anytime you allow your self-worth and identity to rise and fall on people's opinions of you, you've already lost. Now, before we move on, let's skip down to verse 7, and, and, and actually to verse 11, and let's see how much time they took while on Malta. Look at this. It was three months after the shipwreck that they set sail. So how long are they at Malta? Three months. Three months' time, the Lord, before he took them to Rome, they stopped in Malta to give them time to heal. Three months. And during this time, guess what? They experienced extraordinary kindness, unjust criticism, 
and also praise. But let me tell you what they did within those three months. Because some of you, when I say, you know, it just, you should take time to heal, you're just like, well, I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to be bitter. And that's not what I'm talking about. Let's look at what they did while they were healing from their shipwreck. Let me show you what they did so that they could heal. As they were waiting during those three months, they just didn't sit on some beach somewhere, right? Like the Blake Shelton song says. For the rest of the verses, 7, 8, and 9, look at what they're doing. They are focused on other people. They're focused on someone else. And here's our big idea today. It takes time to heal. Say that with me. It takes time. But here's the thing. When you heal, you heal so that you can do what? That's it. That's it. In the process of healing, when you begin to minister to someone else, the biggest way to make sure you don't get stuck in your funk is that you focus on other people and you don't just look at your wounds. For some of you, you have been healing for about 10 years now. And the reason why you've gotten stuck in the funk is because the only place you focus on is you. Eventually, after some time to heal, you've got to focus on other people. Because if you live your life like you're the center of it, you will be lonely, you will become bitter, and you will alienate everybody around you. That will happen. That's not how Paul and Luke lived their lives. Look at this. They were being prepared to help other people. Verse 7, near the shore where they landed was an estate belonging to a guy by the name of Publius. That's a fun name to say, Publius. All right, and let me tell you about Publius. He was the chief official of the island. So he was kind of a big deal. He welcomed us and treated us kindly for three days. And look at this. What's those next three words? As it happened. Let me hit a pause for a sec. I don't believe in coincidences. You see, I believe in a God who's in the big stuff as well as the small. And I don't believe in coincidences. I don't believe in checking horoscopes, astrology. I don't believe in any of that stuff because we serve a God who is large and in charge, and he is sweating the big and the small stuff. As it happened, Publius's father just happened to be ill. With what? Fever and dysentery. Isn't it interesting how Dr. Luke, he is able to say, oh, this is what's wrong with him. He may have had some cholera. So, but the people, look at this, what happens? They just experienced a shipwreck, a very traumatic experience, but the people on the boat don't blame God for the shipwreck. Shipwrecks happen. That, you know, we ought to put that on a shirt. See, some of y'all got that, all right? But the shipwreck, look at this, brought them near to someone who needed help. Come on now. Could it be that the reason why you experienced a shipwreck is, no, God didn't cause it, but maybe God was trying to put you in a place where you could help somebody who needed some help. But you've got to get your eyes off of you. You got to. Look at this verse, as it happened. Sometimes shipwrecks happen. Sometimes relationships fail. Sometimes financial hardships happen. God uses the shipwrecks to bring us near people who need help because people need healing. It takes time to heal, but 
You heal so that you can help others. Publius's father needed a doctor, and it just as so happened, Dr. Luke gets shipwrecked, and there he shows up, and he's able to be able to say, here's what's wrong with you as it happened. I love that. He shows up so that he could heal other people. Now, before we continue, let me just say, again, I don't believe in these coincidences. Verse 8, it says this, as it happened, Publius's father was ill with fever and dysentery. Now, look what happens. Paul went in and prayed for him, and laying his hands on him, did what? Healed him. Isn't it interesting that there was, in this case, instant healing? Did you know that this is the only case outside of the person of Jesus where any person ever heals anyone by laying hands upon them? The only case. From our media today, you would get the idea that this is a commonplace occurrence, that any number of people could come in and with the touch of a hand could heal someone, but that's just not the case. This was the exception, not the rule. This was a period when there was no completed Bible. There was no basis to determine, is this person a man of God or not? So listen to this. God would verify his spokesman on occasion by allowing them to demonstrate his power directly by doing a miracle. You don't believe me? Acts chapter 14, verse 3. Look at it. It's on the screen. But the apostles stayed there a long time, preaching boldly, so speaking about the grace of the Lord. And look at this. And the what? Lord did what? Proved. Proved. The Lord did what? Proved their message was what? True by giving them what? Power to do miraculous signs and wonders. You see, if you're struggling through pain and problems and sickness, some preachers and some churches today would simply say this. The reason why you're not healed is because you don't have enough faith. That you're not praying sincere prayers. That is a lie. It is a lie. By the way, just practically speaking, isn't it interesting that the Dr. Luke, he's not bitter because he couldn't do it. He was able to diagnose the problem, but he hasn't wanted to fix the problem. But look at this. Not only is there instant healing, but there's also a prolonged recovery. Look at verse 9. Look at this. I'm going to read this from the NIV because it really hones in on the, the verses here. That his father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. Paul went in to see him, and after prayer, placed his hands on him and did what? Healed him. But when this had happened, the rest of the sick on the island came, and they were what? Not only is that a different English word, it is a different Greek word. Being healed and being cured. The first word healed in verse 8 literally means instant healing. But down in verse 9, getting cured is the Greek word therapuo. What does that sound like? therapeutic or therapy. We get our words from that. It suggests time, a process, a blending of gifts from good medicine. There was process involved in the curing. And what I'm saying here is that more than just a few went through a prolonged period of recovery. Why? Because healing takes time. So many of us, we want to be cured in an instant. We want the instant pill. We want to go to the doctor and say, hey, okay, you have cancer. Great. Give me a pill and let's clear that up. It doesn't work like that. It takes time. Prolonged recovery where God does some things in you. And hear me, to cut that short 
is not the task of any individual. It's the process of becoming cured. I think it's interesting that by and large, this message that comes from our churches today is, you know, if you, let's give you a formula. One, two, three, four, we're done. But here's what I've understand. The hurts in our church family today that we felt over the past several months deny formulas. We have had multiple people pass away, good, godly people who succumbed to heart conditions, to cancer. I know a lot of people in here that have failed marriages, failed adoption attempts, failed pregnancies, lost jobs, lost dreams. And a formula just doesn't do it. We don't get any formulas here. We just get time. And as we start healing, it's like Paul and Luke are encouraged us, don't focus on yourself. Focus on other people. It takes time to heal, but you heal so that you can help others. Isn't it? I think that's so interesting because God, it, 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 there's, there's something in the crushings and the bruisings and the pains that are even too tough to admit. But here's what I believe. What feels like a setback actually may be God setting us up to help somebody else. Let me say that again. What feels like a setback is a setup for God to use you in somebody else's life. Why? Because it takes time to heal, but you heal so that you can help others. Turn to your neighbor and say, you got to help somebody else. And another person, you turn back to the other person and say, you got to help me. All right. You see, we're going to go through some setbacks, a divorce. Somebody else is going to go through the same thing. Maybe you are going through that so that you can help them through their divorce. Maybe you've uh, whether the setback of adultery and infidelity, somebody else is going through the same thing. God is setting you up to help others. One of our, uh, our staff uh, folks years ago went through the pain of an adultery. And, and through this pain, God was able to salvage a marriage, and it is so much stronger than it ever has been. But they were in a small group a couple of years ago, and everybody in that group had experienced the pain of adultery. And you see, the reason why they were in there is God was setting them up through their setbacks to help other people. You go through the setback of a bankruptcy. You know, one of the things we did this past year with the group link uh, this past time is we had an, a women's infertility group. And I, there are so many ladies in our, in our church that have experienced it. I was just counting up, and over the past 11 years, I counted up 51 couples that I have personally known who have experienced that same setback of not being able to get pregnant. Kim and I have never, ever walked that road. But yet, ladies are helping ladies who have walked that road. Why? Because setbacks may be God setting you up to help other people through these things. I think it's interesting that God never wastes an affliction. It takes time. It takes time, yes. So let me just give you two application points from this. Acts 28.10. As a result, we were showered with honors. And when it came time to set sail, people supplied us with everything we would need for the trip. Here's the first one. The, the one who takes time to heal should be honored, not met with hard feelings. So here at One Church, if you're messy and if it's, you're not okay, we say that's okay. We're going to love you. Secondly, the one who is healed 
is better equipped to help others. Verse 10, when they came time to set sail, people were supplied us with everything we would need for the trip. They supplied us with everything that they would need. We're all on this trip called life, in this voyage where we experience calm waters and there are major storms, but sometimes we sail through the storms so that we can help other people who are in storms. The one who is healed is better equipped to help others. There's something about that, that those hurts, they make us real, don't they? See, here's what I know about you and your church experience. You don't want just plastic saints You don't want a pastor who has a plastic smile who's just, everything's perfect. Because you know that's not the case. There's something about the hurts that make us real. Let me read to you as I close uh, a story from the Velveteen Rabbit. Some of you may have heard the Velveteen Rabbit. This Velveteen Rabbit is a little stuffed animal that found its way into this boy's Christmas stocking. The stuffed animal, this rabbit, had perky little ears and silk-threaded whiskers, and absolute spotless fur. A little later in the nursery, he meets this horse. And this horse is a little rough for wear. This horse had been broken in by his uncle, and uh, he had lost a hoof through playing. And uh, he had, uh, was kind of bulged on one side. He had lost an eye. And uh, this horse had been played with well. And the horse has this conversation with this pristine rabbit. He says, simply says this, real isn't how you're made, said the horse. It's the thing that happens to you when a child loves you for a very long, long time. Not just to play with, but really love you. Then you become real. Does it hurt, asked rabbit? Sometimes, said the horse. But when you're real, you don't mind being hurt. Rabbit asked, does it happen all at once or bit by bit? The horse replied, it doesn't happen all at once. You become. It takes time. That's why it doesn't happen often to people who break easily, who have sharp edges, who have have to be carefully kept. Generally, by the time that you're real, most of your hair has been loved off. Your eyes are out. You get loose in the joints. And you look shabby. By the way, we have a lot of real people here at onechurch.tv. <laughs> you know, we don't need perfect plaster saints. What we need are Christians who are real. So you know what? I am struggling with my kids right now. I'm struggling with my marriage. And I need, it's only when we share those struggles that other people who've weathered those storms can come alongside of us and say, I understand. I'm here for you. I'm here for you. Let's pray. God, we love you. God, I pray, Lord, for those who are hurting. Lord, we are filled, we are surrounded by people who we can touch right now. We're just hurting. And God, I pray that we would be okay with not being okay. Lord, I invite you into this time, and Lord, as we sing this song, with everybody just staying seated and just listening to these words, Lord, that we would pray that you would be our everything. That you would be our everything. You would be the God and our loving, 
the God in our hurting because you are the God during the good times and the bad. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray.
Thanks for coming. Go be the church.